can turn with me to Ezekiel chapter 37 this morning. That's where we're going to be on our summer vacation this morning, Ezekiel chapter 37. As you turn there, I don't know this morning if you've ever done much group travel, but if you have, then you know it can either be really good or it can be really bad. When I was in college at Campbellsville, I sang in one of the choirs there. In my senior year, we took a trip to Italy to compete in a choral festival there. We did not win, but that's not the point of this story. It was about a 10-day trip there. And as you can imagine, um, those 10 days were busy days, long days, jet lag, days where every day when you woke up, the same 40 people were there to get on the bus with you and go everywhere you went. And so about day six or seven, everybody kind of starts to hit a wall. People are tired, and because they're tired, they're either irritable or they're whining and complaining. And so we had just finished singing in this beautiful cathedral, this amazing, breathtaking experience, and we're outside waiting for our bus when all of a sudden you just start hearing these people whining all around me like this, I'm cold, I'm tired, and then I just want to go home. Normally, I would have just rolled my eyes and gone on. That's normal the way you know what I'm thinking is by the expression on my face. But at this point, I was tired, and so it just came spewing out. We're halfway across the world with this amazing experience that most people never would have a chance to get to have, and we're going to go home in a few days. I really don't want to spend the next three days listening to you whine, so would you please just be quiet and go on and be happy, right? You're not going to be happy either. If you just spend the next three days whining about how tired you are, right, that's not going to be enjoyable for you or for me. I think I was able to get away with that outburst that day because it's not usually how I am. But to this day, I have a friend who will remind me about the time that I yelled at everybody on the trip. And so the truth of the matter is, though, in that situation, that we were all in the wrong. On my side, People were cold, and they were tired, and they are allowed not to be happy about that. They didn't need me lecturing them about how to feel. Sometimes things are worse than we think they are or that we want to acknowledge they are. <clears throat> but at the same time, grumbling and complaining about good things happening to you, nobody wants to hear that either, right? That's ungrateful. Things aren't always as bad as we think they are. And we see both of those things are true here in our passage this morning as well. Things are worse than we think they are. Things aren't as bad as we think they are. <clears throat> After last week's pit stop, we're back on our way this Sunday in our summer vacation series. The people last week, or a couple weeks ago, where we left off, they were in exile in Babylon, and we heard God telling the newly exiled people that they were to live lives on mission in exile because he wanted the people there in the place where they were to know that God's plans always succeed. And Israel's time in exile went exactly as God said it would. And yet, despite God's faithfulness, his keeping his word to them, just as he had done at every point in their history, it seems things didn't go as the people expected. And they find themselves in a place of desperation and hopelessness, and I wonder this morning, this, as we look at the Valley of Dry Bones, as we look at Ezekiel 37 and find God's people in exile in this place of hopelessness, I wonder this morning if any of us have ever found ourselves in a place like that, at a place where we feel hopeless and lost, alone, 
like there's no way out. And you find yourself in those moments wondering what could possibly be next, if there could be anything next, if there is anything else after this, are you finished, right? Is God finished with you? This morning, whether you're in that place today or you have been or you will be at some point in the future, the Valley of Dry Bones is a place where we find some answers that we need for those moments. And so let's look together, Ezekiel 37, the Valley of Dry Bones, beginning in verse 1. The hand of the Lord was upon me, and he brought me out in the Spirit of the Lord and set me down in the middle of the valley. It was full of bones. And he led me around among them, and behold, they were very many on the surface of the valley, and behold, they were very dry. And he said to me, Son of man, can these bones live? And I answered, O Lord God, you know. Then he said to me, prophesy over these bones and say to them, O dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. Thus says the Lord God to these bones, behold, I will cause breath to enter you and you shall live. And I will lay sinews upon you and will cause flesh to come upon you and cover you with skin and put breath in you and you shall live and you shall know that I am the Lord." So I prophesied as I was commanded. And as I prophesied, there was a sound, and behold, a rattling, and the bones came together, bone to its bone. And I looked, and behold, there were sinews on them, and flesh had come upon them, and skin had covered them, but there was no breath in them. Then he said to me, prophesy to the breath, prophesy, son of man, and say to the breath, thus says the Lord God, come from the four winds, O breath, and breathe on these slain that they may live." So I prophesied as he commanded me, and the breath came into them, and they lived and stood on their feet, an exceedingly great army. Then he said to me, Son of man, these bones are the whole house of Israel. Behold, they say, our bones are dried up, and our hope is lost. We are indeed cut off. Therefore prophesy and say to them, Thus says the Lord God, Behold, I will open your graves and raise you from your graves, O my people, and I will bring you into the land of Israel." And you shall know that I am the Lord when I open your graves and raise you from your graves, O my people, and I will put my spirit within you, and you shall live, and I will place you in your own land. Then you shall know that I am the Lord. I have spoken, and I will do it, declares the Lord. Three observations this morning as we visit the Valley of Dry Bones. The first is, it's worse than you think. The prophecies that were recorded by Ezekiel and the chapters leading up to this moment weren't without hope. There was words of promise, God promised judgment against Israel's enemies. He promised to restore God's people. But those words of hope and restoration run full speed into something very different here in the Valley of Dry Bones. We're reminded here of a truth, though, that we've seen and heard at pretty much every step, every stop we've made along this journey, and that is that God has purposefully positioned us where we are. That's what's happening here with Ezekiel. We're told that God's hand was upon him, and it brought him out in the Spirit and set him down in the middle of this valley, valley full of bones. It's the image of this aftermath of this great battle where the defeated army was just left there, So I think of this image as we read these verses, two images come to mind when I read that passage. 
One, as we watched The Lion King on Friday night at our movie night at South Wilson, is the elephant graveyard there in that movie, the place where no light touches, a place of death and despair and darkness. The other is Badlands National Park in South Dakota. I wrote about that in our devotionals this past Monday. It's a place where you see just something lifeless and uninhabitable, eroding, but then right next to it, a place that is lively and flourishing. We see that happening here in this passage where Ezekiel was transported to this valley that was filled with bones, not a place that's at the top of our vacation wish list. But the good news is that Ezekiel was given a tour of the the valley. God led him around among the bones. We see him painting this scene, describing it in verse 2, so that we can see exactly what he was seeing. This valley, it was full of bones. It says they were very dry. It's telling us that whatever was left of this pile of bones in this valley, it wasn't a recent occurrence that put them there because there's no signs of life at all. And there hadn't been for some time. In other words, Ezekiel's telling us this morning, it's worse than you think. It's a picture of death and despair. One that's only heightened when the Lord says to Ezekiel in verse 11, son of man, These bones are the whole house of Israel. These are God's exiled people, scattered, lifeless, and spiritually dry. The Lord wants Ezekiel and his people to understand their situation clearly, to see it for what it is. He's saying to them, it's worse than you might think, which is the same message we sometimes need to hear in our lives. When we're frustrated, angry, disappointed, desperate, and as dry as the bones that were scattered around Ezekiel, what we don't always need is someone to tell us, Just cheer up, try harder, you can do this. It's kind of like if you're swimming in the ocean and you're caught in a rip current, you're told not to try to swim and fight against the current because if you do that, what will happen? You'll get tired and exhausted and you won't be able to to help yourself at all. But that's often what we try to do in our spiritual lives as well. We look around at ourselves and we decide that we just need to try harder and do better. And we look at those around us and we say to them, you just need to try harder and you just need to do better. But it's worse than we think because to mix the metaphors, dry bones can't swim. Israel's situation in exile wasn't one they could solve with greater effort. They truly were scattered and lifeless. And the reality is that apart from the work of the Spirit in our lives, so are we. Ephesians 2, Paul describes it like this saying, you were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. Apart from Jesus, Paul describes us as the walking dead, so hopelessly lost and our sins, and living for our own passions, that there's nothing we can do to save ourselves. There's nothing we can do to make ourselves alive. In other words, it's worse than we think. The evil and injustice that marks our lives and our world aren't just the circumstances that surround us, but it's the condition of our hearts. And so where we see broken families and abuse and disease and crime and all kinds of evil, we know the root of it because we were dead in our trespasses and sins. We were by nature children of wrath, Paul says, like the rest of mankind. And so Ezekiel says to us, 
It's worse than you think. But Ezekiel doesn't stop there, thankfully, and we won't this morning either. It's worse than you think. There are bones everywhere, very dry bones, but at the same time, we see it's not as bad as you think. After leading him around the valley, the spirit has a question for Ezekiel. Son of man, can these bones live? Let's just acknowledge here as we hear that question, the obvious answer is no. Bones that have been decaying for years don't come back to life. I'm not a scientist or a medical professional, but I know that much. No, these bones can't live. That's the right answer. Verse 11 tells us that isn't just what we would say, it's also what Israel would have said. Behold, they say our bones are dried and our hope is lost. We are indeed cut off. After years in exile, Israel was tempted to confuse two things, to confuse what they knew with what God knew. They were tempted to confuse what they were able to do with what God was able to do. No, they could not restore themselves any more than the bones in that valley could revive themselves, but that didn't mean that all hope was lost. It just meant they'd come to the end of themselves. That's not the worst place for us to be. Israel would have said, no, dry bones can't live. They would have been wrong, though. So when we might be tempted then, when we face that question, can these bones live, to say with confidence, yes, these bones will live, but that's not the question posed to Ezekiel, and it isn't the one he answers. God's question to Ezekiel is, can these bones live? And Ezekiel's answer, maybe it doesn't seem like it's much of an answer at all. He just says to God, oh, Lord God, you know. But as we read on, from verse 4 through verse 9, we find Ezekiel's answer was the perfect answer because it was neither despairing self-pity, he wasn't just feeling sorry for himself, but it also wasn't arrogant bravado. It was faith. God, I don't know, but you do. And we know that faith was the posture of Ezekiel's heart because we see his faith worked out in what comes next. God says to Ezekiel, prophesy over these bones, say to them, O dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. God's instructions to Ezekiel are to preach to a pile of bones. Tell them to listen to the word of God, a task that requires faith. Faith that God is able to see what we can't see and do what we can't do. Ezekiel knew what the rest of Israel knew, that there was nothing he could do to bring the dry bones back to life, but he also knew that it wasn't as bad as they thought He didn't know what was coming next, but he trusted that the Lord did. And so he did as the Lord said. Verse 7 says, So I prophesied as I was commanded, and as I prophesied, there was a sound, and behold, a rattling, and the bones came together, bone to its bone. And I looked, and behold, there were sinews on them, and flesh had come upon them, and skin had covered them, but there was no breath in them. Ezekiel didn't know, but he trusted that God did. And so he prophesied just like God told him to, and through his obedience, God began to work. Bones started to come back together. God started to connect them together, covering them with flesh and then with skin, but we're told still no breath, still no life. And so God gives Ezekiel further direction to prophesy now to the breath and say to it, come into these bones. And so again, Ezekiel did just what God told him to do. And once again, God did exactly what he said he would do. And so in a situation that appeared to be completely devoid of hope, where the conventional wisdom 
would have been to give up and do nothing. Ezekiel knew that just because it's worse than you think doesn't mean that it's going to be as bad as you think. And so he trusted God and acted on his faith. He listened to God's voice, delivered God's message, not because he knew exactly what would happen, but because he trusted that God did. And instead of looking around at the bones and saying, this is a waste of time, Ezekiel chose to speak words of life. Words that echo the words we heard last week as Scott shared with us from Deuteronomy chapter 30. Verse 19, we're told there, therefore choose life that you and your offspring may live, loving the Lord your God, obeying his voice and holding fast to him. For he is your life and length of days that you may dwell in the land that the Lord swore to your fathers, to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob to give them. A lot had transpired between Deuteronomy and Ezekiel. But God had not changed. He was still calling the people to choose the life that comes from knowing him, loving him, and obeying him. And he was still working through those he called to deliver that message. So in that regard, this morning, things still have not changed. It's worse than you think. The problems before us have deeper roots than we know, but it's not as bad as you think. All hope is not lost. We've just come to the end of ourselves, to a place where God is calling us to trust him and to prophesy into the death, despair, disease, and destruction sin has brought all around us. Can these bones live? That was God's question for Ezekiel. Maybe his question for you this morning is, can my marriage be healed or can I be free from this addiction or will I ever be healthy again? Will I be able to pay my bills or Will I ever have joy again in my life? Is there any reason to have hope? Can these bones live? That was God's question for Ezekiel. How would we answer it today? Hope we would answer it as Ezekiel did. Oh, Lord God, you know. That we would place our faith in the Lord and hold fast to him and walk with him in faithful obedience. That we would hear the hope that he has offered us and that we have to offer to others. And that whatever we face, whatever we come, whatever we are going through, whenever we come to the end of our ability, we would know that we haven't come to the end of God's ability. And so this morning, whether you're on the verge of declaring in your life that all hope is lost, or you look at somebody else in your life and you would say, there's no hope for them, I pray that we would hear Ezekiel's answer of faith and choose to walk in the freedom it provides. Oh, Lord God, you know. He didn't know. He didn't have words that he could say that would bring dry bones back to life. Neither do we, but the Spirit of God does. How many times have we failed in our lives to speak up and share the words of life that we have to share with others because we didn't know if we had all the right things to say? But Ezekiel reminds us here that our hope isn't that we have all the right things to say or that we have all the answers. It isn't about what we know. It's about what God knows. Ezekiel trusted that God was able, and so he also trusted when God told him what to do, he just did it. Church, this morning, you've also been given words of life to proclaim to a world that is decaying, words of hope to declare to people who are without any hope in and of themselves. Though the Bible tells us that our sin problem is worse than we would like to think, it also tells us it's not as bad as we think. Romans 10, 13 says, for everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. 
Verse 14, he goes on and says, how then will they call on him of whom they have not believed? And how are they to believe in him of whom they have never heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? Or as Paul wrote in 1 Corinthians 1.21, it pleased God through the folly of what we preach to save those who believe. So as we look around at those who are enslaved to sin and selfishness, those in our lives who are lost, who don't know Christ and the hope that he offers. We're the people who are to go to them and to say, look to Christ and live, trusting that God is not only able, but he's willing to work through our faithfulness in sharing the gospel to draw men and women to himself, out of darkness and into life. Even when it's worse than we think, it's not as bad as we think because our God is better than we think. God asked, Ezekiel answered. God commanded, Ezekiel prophesied. What happens next is better than we would have imagined or the people of Israel would have imagined. Verse 10 says, so I prophesied as he commanded and the breath came into them and they lived and stood on their feet an exceedingly great army. And so we see life where there was nothing but a pile of bones, an exceedingly great army where Ezekiel stood. And then God tells us exactly what it means, all of this vision that Ezekiel's had that he records for us in verse 11. He says, then he said to me, son of man, these bones are the whole house of Israel. Behold, they say our bones are dried up and our hope is lost. We are indeed cut off. Therefore prophesy and say to them, thus says the Lord God, behold, I will open your graves and raise you from your graves, O my people. And I will bring you into the land of Israel and you shall know that I am the Lord when I open your graves and raise you from your graves, O my people. And I will put my spirit within you and you shall live and I will place you in your own land. Then you shall know that I am the Lord. I've spoken and I will do it, declares the Lord. Can these bones live? This morning, can you live? The answer is yes. God's message to the people in exile was better than anything they could have imagined, better than anything they thought possible. They were saying, this is it, we're finished. This is where it's all come to an end here in exile. Maybe that's where you are this morning in your own spirit or in your relationship with the Lord, or with respect to the church. Our bones are dried up. Our hope is lost. That's what you would say today. That's where Israel was. But it wasn't where God was, and it isn't where God is today. God gives Ezekiel words that are even better than dry bones becoming alive. It's a vision of a people in exile returning to the land God had promised them, a vision of people whose hearts had wandered from their God time and time again being inhabited by the Spirit of God so that their destiny was no longer sin and death, but life. God's promise goes beyond what the people were even after. They would have looked and said, we're in exile. What we need is just to get back home. Then everything will be okay. But God said, I can do better than that. You're in exile because your hearts are hard. But I'll give you a heart of flesh and put my spirit in you. I'll deliver you from sin once and for all so that everyone who sees will know that God is better than we think. I don't know what you're going through this morning. Maybe you would say to God, I need you to fix my finances or my marriage or my situation at work or my health. You would say, God, if you would just fix my circumstances and the things going on around me, everything would be okay. But we have a God this morning who can do better than that. He has done better 
than that. He can change your heart and pour out his spirit upon you so that even if nothing else around you changes, you can see it with his eyes instead of yours and say, it's worse than I think. It's not as bad as I think because God is better than I think. Can these bones live? Can God transform the things that are weighing you down, the circumstances in your life? Oh, Lord God, you know. Can these bones live? Can God give you such faith and hope and joy that it can't be extinguished or dimmed by even the darkest of days? Oh, Lord God, you know. Ephesians 2 continues in verse 4, says, But God, being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved and raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus so that in the coming ages he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace and kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. We have a God who Ephesians 3.20 says is able to do far more abundantly than all that we ask or think according to the power at work within us. So even when it's worse than you think, It's not as bad as you think because God is better than you think. Can these bones live? Turns out Ezekiel's answer was 100% correct. The answer wasn't in the bones themselves, dry and scattered across the valley. The answer was found in the one who was asking the question. Can these bones live? Can God bring restoration and healing and peace in your circumstances this morning? I can say without a doubt. He can do even better than that. Whatever you think revival and restoration would look like in your soul, in this place, in this community, God's plan is even better. If you've never placed your faith in Jesus for the forgiveness of your sins and the new birth that he promises to you, pray today that you would say what Ezekiel said, O Lord God, you know, that you would trust in him because he does know. He knows, he knows you better than you know yourself. He knows where you've been. He knows what you've done. He knows what you've been going through. He knows what's coming. And as he did with Ezekiel, he's inviting you to trust him, that you wouldn't go through any of it alone, that you would believe in him and live as if he's able to make your sin-deadened heart alive in Christ. And with Ezekiel, Don't miss the fact then that after you place your faith in Jesus, God's plan is then to work through you. He's not asking you to come up with the perfect words to say to those around you to solve every situation or to fix everything around you. There will be things around us in this world because of sin that we are unable to fix on our own. But he's given us the message to share, that if we're faithful to share the good news about Jesus, he's able to come in and bring life where there's nothing but despair and hopelessness. This morning, as we respond to God's word together, we're answering that question, can these bones live? One of the ways we're going to do that this morning is through sharing the Lord's Supper. You see the elements before us on the tables, one in front of each section this morning, and in a moment we'll come and receive those and go back to your seats where you can take those as you're ready. But as we do that this morning, we're reminded as we take the bread and as we take the cup of what Jesus has done for us. We're reminded of what Paul writes in Romans 6.23, for the wages of sin is death, 
and it's worse than you think, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus, our Lord. God has been so good to us, better than we could ask or imagine, and that's what we celebrate as we share the Lord's Supper together. If you've placed your faith in Jesus, then it is a reminder to us that God, that Jesus has laid down his life for our sins and that his blood was shed for our sins so that we can be restored to a relationship with God and that we can have the hope of new life that no matter what we face, we can go face it with a God who is able to overcome it. And so this morning, as we ask her that question, can these bones live? One of our answers is, yes, we can, through the blood of Jesus and through faith in him. And so this morning, if you've never placed your faith in Jesus, then as we respond this morning, I invite you to respond by doing just that, placing your faith in him. If you need to talk to somebody about what a relationship with Jesus looks like and how you can begin that, then I would be glad to share with you this morning. Scott will be here to share with you if if you want to go talk to him. There are others around you, maybe a family member who you came with this morning who would love to share with you about what it means to follow Jesus. If you're joining us online, you can follow, reach out and respond as well, and we would be glad to talk with you about a relationship with Christ. This morning, we answer that question together. Can these bones live? We answer first through the Lord's Supper, and then we'll answer it by singing together and by responding to God's word as he lays on our hearts today. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, today we thank you, Lord, and praise you, God, as we just look at this passage from Ezekiel, God. We thank you for the words of life and hope that you speak into our lives, God, words that, God, are even beyond what we would well, we would even be able to, to imagine or to ask for, God, that you have looked at us, though we had sinned and fallen short, though we were rebelling against you, God. You sent Jesus, God, to pay the penalty for our sins, to die on the cross in our place. God, he was raised on the third day so that we can this morning come here with hope and sing in freedom. God, and so that we can answer The question this morning with confidence, can these bones live? We can answer with the faith that says, oh, Lord God, you know. Now, we can answer that question, Lord, as we're reminded of what Christ has done for us. God, as we share that good news with those around us. God, and as we lift our voices to sing together that you are able, you're able to turn graves into gardens, God. We thank you. We praise you this morning in Jesus' name. Amen.